Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Marco. Happy New Year. Uh, time to think about, I don't know, change. I don't, it's not that I'm like a super New Year's resolution-y kind of person, but just even just the way that the seasonality of our work and things tend to flow, I find that this is a good time of year to be thoughtful, to be a bit more introspective, to just sort of decide what you're going to do in the in the new year. The calendar year is my accounting year. And so while it doesn't mean anything you know, meaningfully, it's also useful for me to look back at the last year in a more holistic way, see what worked, what didn't, you know, where uh, I don't know, the business side, my income came from, where it went up, where it went down. Um, but as part of that, it seemed potentially a useful time also to do kind of a like a back to basics series here on the show to talk about some of the fundamental aspects of, I guess, like being a successful independent iOS developer. Like, you know, in our little intro, we always talk about, you know, the aspects of independent iOS development. And I think fundamentally, there are some aspects of that that are important to understand. And I don't, don't want to assume that everyone who listens to this show um, sort of knows these things, that I think I've been doing this long enough, you've been doing this long enough, Marco, that we, I think, have a fairly reasonable handle on them, but they're, like, important and then also the reason I, this has been top of mind for me is the sense of I need to make sure that if I want to have a successful indie app business, that I'm continuing to execute on these topics in a good way and not just assume that I am because I had in the past or that the market hasn't changed um, or whatever. And when I think about them, like the three main pillars that I could come up with for having a successful app are acquisition, conversion, and retention. And I think we're probably going to, this is going to be like a three-part series where we unpack each of those um, over the course of a different episode. But um, I think at its core, like having a successful app business is about acquiring customers, converting those customers somehow in sort of some form of monetization, whether that's making them subscribers, showing them ads, getting them to have in-app, you know, buy things inside your app, whatever that conversion means for you, the actual like turning a customer's time in your app into you know income. Um, and then retention is having that then persist into the future. Um, and if you don't have those three things, if you can't acquire customers, if you can't make money from the customers you have, and you can't keep the customers you have, you're not going to have a successful business. And so I think kind of working through each of those three aspects seems like a good place to start the year off, make sure we're all kind of heading in a direction that will hopefully lead to a successful 2024. Yeah, I, I think this is a good place for us to always your visit, because if you haven't put anything out there in the app store before, you know, you haven't run a business like this before, you might think that the more technical aspects of app development are the most important in some way. Like, oh, you know, what's the most important thing for the app you're making? Oh, you're gonna, are you going to write it in Swift UI? Like, that's important to some things, but you can make the most amazing app technically, and it can totally flop because you didn't have the business stuff, you know, right. One of the things that can define whether you are financially successful as an indie developer is how you choose what to work on and then how you support it with these business aspects you know around what you have built you can write an app in the worst language in the world using crappy ui frameworks and you know have it be like this whole non-native whatever all these things that we kind of frown upon uh, as developers and if you do have the business chops around it, you can make almost any technical <laughs> pile of crap succeed <laughs> as you can tell by looking around the app store and seeing what succeeds <laughs> so anyway 
So that, that's why this stuff is so important, that ideally as developers, we want the amount of work and interest that we, that we put into something, we want that to reflect or to be reflected in, in how well it does financially for us. Um, but that's often, so often, not the case. So anyway, acquisition, this is a great place to start because when you're talking about customer acquisition, I think you first have to ask yourself, are you building something that a non-trivial number of people will even want? You know, before you can even think about how you're going to get them to discover it somehow, there's a huge question of like, do people actually want this? Is this is this compelling to some group of people? And then you have to worry about how you find them and, and how you get them to look at your thing and pick your thing. But number one is like, what are you building? And is there a market for that? And then how do you stack up in that market? Like, And that's, this is why like, I've told the story a million times, but I think it's important. When I was making Overcast, uh, I the first thing I did was make a giant note document of like, here's my here's my biggest competitors in this market. Here are why people choose them, and then here are the plans I have for the app I'm going to make. Here's why people will choose my app over these other apps, and that was very clarifying for me because that that helped me like realize okay, what am I up against? How are people going to find me? And when they do find me, what would make them choose me over my competitors? And those, like, those are all huge topics. And hopefully, we'll get to some of those. But I think number one that that you have to you have to consider first when you're making an app is like, who is this for? And am I doing something that there will be any demand for? Yeah, because I think intrinsic in that question, it's like the classic thought of like, what's the pitch, right? Like, what is if you have to summarize your application in, you know, one sentence, what is that? And A, you need to understand what that is, which is important for the technical and like knowing what you're building in the first place. But two is being honest with yourself of based on that description, how meaningful of a differentiation is that from other apps that exist? How likely is that to be an attractive hook to, as you're trying to be, you know, you show that to a potential customer, how is that likely to be an attractive thing to them? And the more niche your pitch is, the important thing to understand there is that necessarily will make it harder to acquire more users. Um, and conversely, the, the slightly awkward thing is the more general your pitch is too, the harder it will be to acquire new customers as well. Like there's a sweet spot in between very general and very niche where you can have sort of the best leverage for acquisition, I would say, where you have this, you have an interesting hook that's different and unique, but it's you not unique in the sense of it's narrow. It's unique in the sense of it's compelling to a large audience. Um, but it isn't just some, like just, just another to-do list, right? It's like, if you're making a to-do list app, you need to have something about what you're doing that is broadly ap- applicable and desirable, but is not so specific that it cuts off lots of users. And so like that is a challenging thing. And I think it's great to start there, the, the acquisition sort of thinking there, because if you don't have a compelling product to sell, you will never be able to sell it. Um, and it's easy, I think, sometimes to focus on the interesting technical sides of developing an app or you th- you're doing something very cool and very cool can mean like awesome, amazing, super technically interesting or like groundbreaking in lots of ways doesn't necessarily mean that there's a market for it. It doesn't necessarily mean 
that sort of just because you build something amazing, lots of people are going to want to use it on a day-to-day basis regularly. Like that's just, you know, are you solving a problem that people have and that people are going to continue to have? And that is, you know, something that's important. And obviously like there's so many specifics in this. And I mean, we've been doing under the radar for years at this point, you know, this is like episode 284. So clearly there's lots of nuance to this, but just broadly for whatever the circumstance that you are, find yourself in, it's like understand fundamentally, am I making a compelling product that will be desirable to lots of people? And you need to refine your idea. um, Or even if you have an existing product, it's like, how are you marketing it is going to be filtered through what are the things, what are the aspects of this that are desirable to the broadest number of people that you can then go and work on acquiring uh, to be your users? Yeah, because like, no one cares how you solve the problem. And no one cares how long it took you. (laughs) <laughs> like, which is these are hard things to hear for a lot of people, especially you know programmers like us. Like, we take a lot of pride in how we do things, and and it gives us great satisfaction, like that we can do things in in certain ways. But your customers won't care, uh, and the amount of work you put into something is not necessarily um, you know going to result in uh, you know the amount of success you get out of it. So you know you have to find markets that actually exist and that you can compete in, and. That's why, again, like you look at the App Store, like look at look at what succeeds in the App Store. Um, you know, there's all the big company apps; they succeed for their own reasons. And and then you look at like what succeeds from small developers, and a lot of times it's like this thing that you know crops photos for Instagram or whatever. Like you know, it's something that, like that does something that is a fairly mundane thing that just happens to resonate with a huge number of people who have a problem they want to be solved. And it doesn't really matter how it does it. It doesn't really matter if it's like a crappily made app with a three dollar a week subscription. Like you know, like they do, that that stuff doesn't matter to success largely. Uh, well, you know, what matters is are you making something where there is a market? Can you then have the market find your app? So that's where acquisition comes in. Like, and but there has to be a market first. And if there is a lot of demand for the kind of thing you are making. Everything about acquisition becomes much easier and possibly much cheaper for you. So there's a huge upside to the business as well. Like, you know, most ideally, you don't have to do much marketing or advertising at all because those things are expensive and time consuming and complicated. Um, and if there's a if there's a lot of demand for your app and there's not a lot of other things serving in that serving that demand your app will mostly market itself. You won't have to worry too much about this. Um, but most of us aren't that lucky. Most of us have to worry somewhat about how the heck we get people to learn about our app. So that's what we're talking about for the rest of this episode. But first, we are brought to you by Sentry. As a developer, you want to solve crashes and performance issues fast before they affect your customers, not when someone emails you to complain something hasn't been working right for days. So to do that, you need the right tools on your side. Sentry gives you everything you need for mobile crash reporting and app monitoring, so you can resolve issues faster. Sentry helps you investigate crashes by device type, OS, and release with actionable, real-time insights, including breadcrumbs, screenshots, stack traces, suspect commits even, and so much more. 
you know, this kind of stuff can be really hard to do yourself without Tulio Century. Trust me, I've tried. I, I, I've been like, you know, building my own stuff, uh, my own backends, my own error reporting stuff and relying on the built-in tools from the, from the platform to tell me about that stuff. And it's really limited. And you look at Century and like, man, they do, they do such a good job. They have all these different metrics. They have all these pretty graphs and easy ways to see everything. Great visualizations, great reporting. It, it's, it's a world of difference. So if you want your app to be consistently rated five stars, Sentry can help. Because by identifying and solving mobile application performance issues like long app start times, janky frame rendering, slow web requests, your customers will get a smoother, better five-star experience. Sentry allows you to build more and troubleshoot less by helping us reduce context switching too because it works for web, backend, and mobile. Using features like distributed tracing, you can identify backend issues that may affect your mobile app's performance without consulting other tools or other people. Also, Sentry supports Android, iOS, Flutter, and React Native. This is all why 4 million developers and 90,000 organizations rely on Sentry to deliver a consistently good experience. That many people can't be wrong. So here's the deal. Sentry is totally free to use, so there's no reason not to check it out. As an under-the-radar listener, you can get six months of the team plan for free. Just click the link in the show notes and use the code RADAR. That's six months of the team plan, completely free, at sentry.io slash four slash mobile or click the link in the show notes then use the code radar our thanks to sentry for their support of this show and relay fm so how do you acquire customers yes it's like that is the crux and i think there are probably broadly when i was thinking about this like three ways to get a customer there's the sort of press slash Apple featured promotion, kind of the editorial, I guess you could say, an editorial acquisition where there is someone who's writing an article in the App Store on a website somewhere in the world that is sort of like sending that out and promoting your application or mentioning it in some way. You can you can acquire customers that way. There's the kind of organic word of mouth version of acquisition, which is one of your users is the person who is you know, sp- spreading the word about your application, you, you know, about your application, you know, to someone in their family, someone in their friends, whatever that is. And then the last one is sort of the paid version of that. So that's, I'm the one who's promoting my application by spending money to have it show up in a variety of places, you know, like, say something like search ads in the app store, or this could be Facebook ads, it could be ads anywhere. Podcast ads, hey. Yeah, podcast <laughs> ads, sure. I mean, anywhere that, you know, you're paying. So essentially acquisition, those three different channels, the question is, who's the person who's doing the promotion? You know, is it a, you know, an editorial voice? Is it your customer voice? Is it your voice? Like one of those three um, is going to be the, the person who's actually going to sort of understand that. And I think the key thing that it took me a long time to understand is with each of those things, there is a different like shelf life to the acquisition that it'll actually be sort of relevant for. And obviously a very different cost and sort of reliability um, that goes along with it. So in the first one, in the like the editorial version of acquisition, typically these only happen around big updates to your application, uh, certainly on the press side. Um, and the impact they can have is shockingly small. Um, like it's one of those things where you would like to think that it would make a big deal to be mentioned in some big publication or on a cool website or even be featured by Apple in the App Store. 
And in my experience, it certainly is something. I'm not saying it's nothing, but it is short-lived and often very disproportionate to the size of the audience of that publication. Um, like I remember, and this is many years ago now, but I was one of my apps was like listed fairly prominently in an article in the New York Times, which was amazing. Like I still have a copy of that, you know, like that newspaper, you know, in, in a drawer by, in my desk because it was an amazing, super cool, like I've arrived moment. Um, and as far as I could tell, it drove no downloads to the application whatsoever. <laughs> like, like as, as far as I could tell, like there was no bump. You know, if you look at my sales yeah. chart versus the the week before and the week after when that article came out, like it didn't seem to do anything. And like that's fine in some ways, but it's also like is was that was clarifying for me of just because someone who has some audience is talking about your application doesn't mean they are speaking to the audience who wants your application. Um, and I think that was something that was very helpful for me to understand because like if I, you know, I have, I make a step counting app, if some kind of health and fitness influencer, journalist, whatever it is, talks about that app, it's going to have way more impact than if that app is mentioned, um, as part of just like a, you know, a, a, a generic article on the front of the New York times, like it's the specificity of that and the ability of it then to reach the actual person who's going to be interested in downloading your app is so important. And so I don't tend at this point to put too much weight into those kinds of kind of editorial things. They're lovely when they're ha they happen, you know, when people of the press reach out, I tend to be responsive to them, but it's not something that you can really rely on, on actually making a big deal. Like it's useful. Like if you're launching a brand new app, reach out to all the press, reach out to as much as you can, because any exposure you can get is useful. But Really, from a sustainable perspective, this is not something that will create a, sort of a sustainable source of downloads for your applications. Yeah, that, this has been my experience as well. That you know, you have to, and you, you touched on this a little bit already, but you know, you have to consider the the mode that people are in when they are like reading whatever whatever the press is or consuming the press. So, like, it, when's the last time you, as a person, were reading a newspaper or website article about you know here's 15 productivity apps for the help you in the new year or whatever when's the last time you went and downloaded all those apps <laughs> like that's no one does that anymore if they ever did yeah. if you've been published in some you know some publication that's it's more like winning an award it's an honor it's nice it, it can make you feel good it can validate your work it will kind of put you on the map in the sense that some people will over time have a better chance of recognizing your app's name or your name that's all great stuff but that does not translate into very many sales directly um, it, it's it's always a very very small effect if any and it's hard to even see it in, in the graphs, as you said, sometimes, um, unless it's a very, very big publication. And even then, like, what percentage of these readers or viewers or whatever are going to then go to the app store and get your like it, it's there's so many leaps there. Whereas like the the mechanisms that will put your app in front of people in a different context at a better time can be way more effective even if it's a smaller number of people coming in that that you know officially being addressed by it. So for instance, an app store search ad or a Google search ad like those are way more effective because those are capturing people who are actively looking for hopefully what you are selling. You're going to get a more a stronger response there and then the path for them to convert, which we'll get to next episode probably, but the path for them to convert is much shorter. They don't have to 
put down their newspaper or switch out of their browser, go to the app store, search for your app. <laughs> like all those steps are removed. They can just like click a button and pay and then they have your app. All that matters so much to the effectiveness of all of these. Um, so yeah, press, it, it's a wonderful honor. It can very slowly build brand recognition and reputation, um, but it is not great for direct sales. No, not at all. And I mean, I suppose did you, you were just leading into it, but I think probably talking about paid ac- acquisition, which is another, in many ways, is a version of editorial acquisition, but it's the version that you pay to be there. Like you could be featured in the App Store or you could pay to be on the feature page of the App Store. Like both of those things are things that exist to us now that and in many ways they have the same billing and the same prominence in the App Store as it is structured right now. Um, and it's like the paid acquisition is, I would say it's one of those things of it works, but it necessitates a certain business model to be financially viable. Like fundamental to the concept of paid acquisition is that you need to make more money from a customer than it costs to acquire them. Or at least break even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like make, even if you made a penny or if you lost a penny, like you're probably, you know, it's one of those, you those two things have to be in the same ballpark or close to each other because if they aren't, you're just, you know, you're just going to run yourself into a hole. And there are certainly apps, and I see this regularly in the app store, of certain apps that are not balanced in that way. And it is clearly they are trying to do something different than what a traditional indie app developer is trying to do, where we're trying to make a sustainable living for the long term. You very often I've seen these things, you know, it's like clearly somebody is they have a certain budget that they are trying to burn through in search ads to acquire customers. Either it's because they're trying to turn them into like it's a there there's other things going on there. It's a brand play. They're trying to knock out other competitors. Um, there's things like that, or it's, I mean, on this sort of the more sort of less desirable part is it's the version of someone is paying lots of money to acquire customers that they then will eventually turn into some, you know, like weekly $10 a month, $10 a week subscription and try and sort of squeeze as much money out of it as they can. Um, which isn't great, obviously, as a, as a, as a health of the app store kind of a thing. But broadly, if you want to do paid advertising, that's great. You just need to balance it with your sort of lifetime value of a new, of a customer to you. And for many indie apps, based on the costs of search ads, for example, in, in the app store, it is, I've found it very difficult to balance those two things in such a way that you come out ahead, that the cost to acquire a user is so high that the value of that customer has to be commensurately very high. And sometimes that can work. And if that works for you, awesome. Like once you have, if you have a situation where, you know, you spend, spend a dollar to acquire a customer and make a dollar and 10 cents back, like, great, you have a money-making machine, like crank that wheel forever. Um, but I don't think that's the way it works for most customers, uh, most people where you're able to do that. And that's, you know, challenging and you have to rely on other things than to acquire your customers or find other forms of paid advertising that work, you know, where you may be able to, it may be more productive to take out an advertisement in a very specific publication than it would be to just have a generic ad, you know, ad that you're showing for a keyword in the app store. Like, I don't know, maybe that's the case. Like depends on how specialist your app is or how specific it is. But um, anyway, I, I paid advertising for me. I know you've had more experience than I have on this Marco, but I've found it to always be 
it feels like I'm just throwing, you know, good money after bad. Like it, it never really is balanced out for me. And that's, I, you know, in some ways a question of my, you know, my monetization, like if I had monetized better, maybe it would make more sense. And that maybe that's on me, but the re- that's the reality of, you know, what I find. No, unfortunately, I have exactly the same to report that that I've I've done a lot of different forms of paid advertising and and paid promotion and everything for Overcast, um, and and even Instapaper before that. I think I've lost money on all of it. Um, maybe search ads in the App Store, I might be kind of sort of maybe breaking even, but even then, not always. Um, and I don't think I actually. I think I'm actually slowly losing money on that too. Um, I the problem is as, as you said with paid paid advertising. It is way more expensive per acquired customer than most indies realize. And it, it, again, you, you mentioned all the reasons why, like, you know, because there are businesses out there who stand to make more money from a lifetime customer than your business. That's it. Like, that's it. Like, the, the, there's a reason why when you listen to podcasts or you look at app store search ads, you don't see a lot of indie app businesses repeatedly advertising. You know, I've bought individual ads here and there on lots of stuff or like, you know, little little short runs of ads. But usually I've concluded that it wasn't worth it and I was losing too much money on it. And so I've stopped. And you look around at indies generally, that's the same way. Like you don't hear a lot of indie apps advertising on podcasts more than once. There's a reason for that. It's just too expensive. And and other companies can make more money per customer. Like if you're selling like web hosting where someone's going to be paying you you know, 50 to 100 bucks a month, at least, <laughs> you know, for some kind of web hosting arrangement, then you can afford to spend, you know, $50 to acquire a customer, you know, because you'll make it up. Um, but if you're selling an app that, you know, that maybe it's a free app to download, and maybe you want to sell someone an optional in-app purchase that might monetize you to like 10 or 20 bucks a year, that's going to be really hard to make money on <laughs> with, with paid ads, um, because there are just too many companies that will outbid you. Uh, it, for any any effective paid advertising, you will probably be outbid by companies who will who who can spend more than you because they will make more than you from each customer they get. So if you have a business where that's true, that's great. Then then you know if you have a high profit per customer business, that's great. Most indie apps are not that. So I would say for most indie apps, paid acquisition is generally not worth it. Yeah, and I mean that, which is challenging because that leaves us with sort of the last form of acquisition, which is sort of organic word of mouth advertising. And I say that's challenging because honestly, I think this is a thing that has been very important to my apps and is the thing that broadly is the most reliable. But the difficulty of it is that it tends to be much less than you would think it is or how like how big you would want it to be, maybe. Like I was doing a bit of analysis before the show and like it's hard to tell exactly like how where people come from. So you don't really know if it's word of mouth, but for the applications that I have, I don't do paid advertising. And so the primary source I suspect of people coming to my apps, especially if they, if I look in the app analytics and do the, you know, they're coming from search, they're probably coming, you know, cause they've heard about the app from somewhere else. And it seems broadly that you could hope for like word of mouth advertising to generate 5% of your like monthly active users as new users each month, say. That was sort of based on my apps. That was the number that kind of seemed to be about the right rule of thumb. You know, so if say you had a hundred thousand monthly active users, you could expect that to generate about 5,000 new downloads a month, maybe like as a rule of thumb, I think that's a reasonable place to start. And 
that's a challenging place to start because that's not bad. Like it's, that's, it isn't costing you anything and is certainly useful, but it is hard to meaningfully grow at that rate because you also have a churn rate that is probably in the same ballpark that you are losing customers just as quickly as you are gaining them. Um, if you know, you, the best you can do is 5%, um, as, as a gain rate. And so it's tough. And I think like, I don't know where, where that leaves. It's one of those challenging things I found with acquisition is I think it is fundamental. And the only apps I've ever had succeed sort of if either had some other, some, some hook where acquisition happened or got to this critical point of word of mouth where they, it was enough to sustain the app because the word of the 5% was of a big enough number that it was meaningful and it didn't just sort of die out. Um, and I think as an indie developer, retention, which we'll probably talk about sort of in the, the last part of the series is, is just as vital because each customer is so valuable to us because it is so hard for us to acquire customers. So, but it's reasonable for us to go into this with a clear eyed view of that, that there's no easy way for small developers to acquire customers. And as a result, it's going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be difficult. And I think it's important that new developers coming into this or just me to be reminded that like that's difficult and is challenging. And I think will probably always be difficult and challenging, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. Like you and I are both people who've made this work, but it has never been easy um, of, of thing to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, the organic, you know, word of mouth kind of uh, acquisition, it is the most elusive. It is the hardest to get. It is the hardest to measure. It is the hardest to quantify or to control in, or to influence in any way. Um, but it's free and it's very powerful. <laughs> and you don't really know. Like it's, it's so hard, but you're right. I mean, it is, it's so important for us to get customers and to keep customers. And you're right that basically organic is, is the only good way available to indies. And it's really, really hard to get. Um, but the good thing is once you do find a way to get it, it is kind of automatic and wonderful. But we will get into more of that down the road. In the meantime, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye.